0: Hello and welcome to Non-Breaking Space, which you can find online at nonbreakingspace.tv. Nonbreaking Non-Breaking Space is a show where we'll seek out the best, brightest, and smartest folks on the web and talk to them about how and why they do what they do. Your hosts are Christopher Schmidt and Dave McFarlane, two web designers, authors, and trainers who have a passion for sharing knowledge about the web. I'm Chris from Canada, a web designer and podcaster. Christopher and Dave have invited along to help push the record button and keep everyone on track here on Non-Breaking Space. Our guest for this episode is Jennifer Robbins. Jennifer has been a web designer since 1993. She designed the web's first commercial site, O'Reilly's Global Network Navigator. A graduate of the University of Notre Dame, Robbins is the author of Web Design in a Nutshell, Learning Web Design, and HTML and XHTML Pocket Reference. She has also written corporate identity style guides for clients such as Harcourt Publishing, AmericanExpress.com, and Orange Imagineering. Since 2000, Jennifer has lived in Providence, Rhode Island, where she has worked as a freelance designer, teacher, lecturer, and consultant through her company, Little Chair Incorporated. Jennifer has taught at Johnson & Wales University, and at the Massachusetts College of Art, and is now a product designer for O'Reilly Media. So without further ado, I'll turn it over to Christopher and Dave in their conversation with Jennifer.
1: Thanks, Chris. Hey, Dave, how's it going? Oh, it's good. The holiday's here, the kids are home from school, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm forgetting that I had to do a podcast. <laughs> but uh, um, I also uh, finished my documentary that I told you about that I was yeah. making, and had a premiere on the big screen here in, here in Portland, and... Yeah. Uh, it went well it was super fun totally not related to the web but i had yeah. a great time
2: cool yeah as, as as you had to cut your time short short in uh hawaii for the uh
1: the control conference yeah i had to get home and finish editing this film so yeah,
2: yeah it uh, turned out great yeah how'd it go like it was everyone did was it like,
1: yeah it was yeah. great it was part of a workshop of documentary you know novice documentary filmmakers so there were like 10 films that were like 10 minutes long each and uh, uh we had you know a packed Theater here in Portland, and uh, it was great, super fun thing to do. Cool. Can people find the, the video online? Is that, is that uh, yeah, I have it up on uh, YouTube and Vimeo, so I could post a link and you can check it out. It's totally not related to the web, though. It's about my wife uh, writing uh, a novel and being part of uh, National Novel Writing Month, which just ended last November or this mm-hmm. November.
2: Yeah, and she's done this
1: before, right? So, we'll tell, yeah, Sometimes, right. So yeah, this cool. is the fourth time she did it. Yeah.
2: So so yes, yeah, so it's awesome. So like you're in your family, you've you both written books then, pretty much. So correct.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Writers, definitely. Cool. How are you doing?
2: Uh, doing okay. I'm just recovering from uh, putting on a control on Honolulu and CSS DevConf Hawaii, yeah. and um, so it's been kind of like a blurry week this week trying to get caught up on everything and then get slammed right with the holidays. But uh, but I'm happy to be here and having having to talk to you guys again. It's awesome with you and Chris Enns and and you for the podcast. And I'm also happy to have our our guest for today, Jennifer. Yeah.
3: Hi there. Hey. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for having me on. Oh,
2: we're honored that you're here. This is great. Cool. Um, Yeah, I just want to, the first question we always ask is like, uh, how did you get involved with the web? And since you started when it, it pretty much started, you know, I guess you were there at the beginning.
3: right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's just a case of, you know, right place at the right time. Um, I had been working as a book designer at uh, Little Brown, designing uh, book interiors for law books and medical books. And then I went over to O'Reilly in 92 and um, was designing books for O'Reilly. And at that time, Dale Doherty came into the office and said, hey, there's this new part of the Internet, and it's called the World Wide Web, and it has graphics, so I think we need a designer. <laughs> so um, <laughs> my boss, Edie Friedman, at the time, who was actually my boss today at O'Reilly, and um, she was taking a short leave of absence and said, here, Jen will, Jen will be great at this. And she like like put me in the group that was looking at the um at this new web product, because Dale had this idea like, oh, man, we could do like a, a magazine type thing where we talk about the emerging web and um, it would be sponsored. You know, we could have ads like a magazine would have ads. Mm. And um, that was May of 1993. Mm. Um, at the time, I think there was only, you know, like a Mosaic that ran on Unix. So I had to run Mac X on my Mac to run Mosaic on mm. my Mac, and that that was short-lived. You know, there was a, a Mac version not long after that, but I had to jump through some hoops in the beginning. Um, but yeah, I was there. You know, there were 150 websites. And then we published GNN and part of one of the little sections was the NCSA What's New, where we listed Mm -hmm. all the new websites that week. (laughs) And it was, you know, like, hey, there are 10 new websites, you know, Um, and most of them weren't very useful. But there was interesting some of the people who came on very early on. um, Mm -hmm. I remember like L.L. Bean was on one of the first like selling stuff, you know, one of the first commercial websites. Um, there was a thing that was called Hot 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 that sold oh, hot yes. sauce. You yes, remember? I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> that was like that was really early.
2: That was a cool site for that. Oh man, that was awesome. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah.
3: And then you know, Hot Wired came along pretty soon oh, af- yeah. after us. Um, but I want to set the record straight. We were out there first. So wow. when you see when you see all those you know reports, those journalists writing, you know, the Hot Wired was first. I'm here to tell you, we were publishing six months before they came on the scene. So, you know just just setting it straight yeah. <laughs> but no it was it was interesting i'm actually uh going to give an ignite talk on the early days of the web i've i've been digging through all my old archives what i can find and i found um specs for how to design a page for or for gnn mm-hmm. and it's wow. like the gnn homepage is 515 pixels wide oh. and <laughs> no. um You'll have to use, and the only graphic file format you can use is a uh, GIF eighty nine A. And to make that, you'll need this tool called GIF converter. Yes,
1: <laughs>
3: wow. So yeah, it was just so cool to like go back and see what we used to have to do. I think it was Photoshop two or Photoshop three mm-hmm. um, that we used, and it didn't have any of the tools we needed to create. You know, tra- oh, there was a, a tool called um, GIF transparency to, yes. to make yeah. it transparent and. Yeah. Um, So much of the stuff I had forgotten about, but
2: yeah. And there was a um, if you want to make animated GIFs, you had to like get this um, other tool for animated GIFs as well. And so it was just Mm -hmm. like if you want to compress it one way or like there's like yeah, so yeah, because today when we're talking about like adaptive images for responsive web design, and people tell me like oh we can't deal with a new image format because you know browsers aren't ready for it, blah blah blah. I'm like they just they weren't there in beginning times when Photoshop wasn't even ready. For yeah. the web, right? You know, right. you had to have all these plugins. If you were lucky, you know, by the time you had to wait a couple years for plugins for Photoshop, you know, and then you had to wait. It took a, Adobe a while to get it baked into to uh, Photoshop.
3: Yeah, and if you yeah. put a JPEG, if you you wanted to use a JPEG, it would um, launch an external oh. graphic viewer. Like you yeah. couldn't embed a JPEG <laughs> right. in a web page. So, so
2: yeah, uh. oh, geez. yeah. It's but pretty-
3: so for the beginning, I was just doing a lot of like. You know, I did mostly the graphics, so a lot of icons. Um, There's else, someone else doing the HTML writing mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, and then once we switched, we started doing a, a magazine, like a more strict magazine style called Web Review. Right. And um, there I started doing like my own mock ups in HTML and giving those to production because they were getting a little more fancy. But in the beginning, you know, since O'Reilly was part of, Or at least members of O'Reilly were working with the W3C like very very early on. We were very strict about the way we used the HTML markup. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, all of our pages started with an H1 followed by an H2, and everything was used, you know, perfectly, you know, semantically. Um, And then other publications would come around. I don't know if it was hot, you know, like Hotwired, and um, I don't know when Suck started. Uh, but they used like br 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 to make oh, these yeah, little, that's right. yeah. like cool little columns and like with space around everything because at the time there were no style sheets there was no way to put space around stuff right so um and they were just using you know skipping h1s and 2s because they were so big and clunky and just right. doing whatever they wanted mm-hmm. and um and it looked so much prettier, like, you know, from a yeah. graphic design standpoint, it's like, oh, man, it looks so much nicer. And we weren't allowed to use any Netscape extension. So no background color changing. So mm-hmm. our, you know, GNN um, and web Review. Well, I think we've used some um, background in web Review.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, and but, there was there was the hack, too. We're like, um, sorry, to interrupt, but uh, if you had multiple background colors. Yes, it, would. it it would animate that. Would,
3: yeah, yeah. It oh. would fade in or fade out. Oh. But um, so we had you know just the gray backgrounds with these mm. giant H ones, and it was as a graphic designer, it was a little painful. You know, I did the best I could. We couldn't use, you know, the align uh, attribute. So all of our graphics had a big space next to them. You know, like we couldn't wrap text <sighs> around any of the graphics. So it looked it was very clunky. It, um, I was very envious of the. Other publications are just diving right in on all the Netscape extensions, but um, we kept it pure and um, and it's funny how it's all come around again, back to you know using it using HTML you know purely semantically again.
2: Yeah, I think it's um, but like even then, I mean, it's it's um, I always point to this when I talk, it's like that you know Opera uh, developer like they did a whole survey and they they found out like. After Surveying hundreds of thousands of websites, only five um, percent of those websites were actually valid. They actually mm-hmm. write semantic cards. So like, I and mean, that's like, I think it was like four hundred thousand to two hundred thousand websites they looked at. Uh, and so only, you know, so if you actually do valid markup, you're like cream of the crop. Yeah. In terms of, so, but, uh, but yeah, it, but yeah, so it's kind of an issue. But, but now, like, looking to the present, like you just wrapped up a learning web design book, right? The, yes,
3: uh, it's the fourth edition of that book.
2: Yeah, so learning web design, comma fourth edition. Yes. So awesome. So, uh, so what did you know? And you know, Dave, Dave's written how many books have you written, Dave? I don't.
1: I've well, you know, I have three books, but you know, multiple yeah. editions. I'm like, I don't know, the eighth edition of my Dreamweaver book. I just finished the third edition of my CSS book. So I've right. you know. Right. been writing for right. a long time. So, so like David,
3: I do the same thing. I have written three books over and over again.
1: <laughs> over and over and over and over again. You get a call from O'Reilly and they say, we need to update that book. And you're like, okay. And then you write a new TOC and yeah. then you write. Actually, yeah.
3: I'm really tickled by this conversation because both of your books, um, the uh, CSS Cookbook and the CSS Missing Manual were so helpful. For me when I was writing, <laughs> learning web design, because since I don't do that work every day, I was, right. you know, it's like I read the spec and I know it's in the spec, which is like more confusing than it's ever been. Um, but then it's like, OK, but I know I'm missing the Like, what am I missing? What well, is a practical. Then I read everything I can read. And your books right. are really, really useful. So thank you, guys.
1: You're welcome. Yes, yeah. I totally agree. Books are super useful, much better than Googling things, <laughs> I think.
3: Yeah. So the learning web design is like a whole web design class, be- very, very beginner level class in a book. So you can learn if you start knowing absolutely nothing, like I start dissecting a, a URL and talking about the difference between a server and a browser. Then we build our way up through you know writing HTML. And by the end, you're doing multi-column CSS layouts and res- little responsive project in there and um, all the ins and outs of creating graphics, and this time I have JavaScript chapters in that book written by um, Wilto, also known as Matt Marquis oh, in um, awesome. Boston. Yeah, so he wrote my JavaScript chapters, which was a blast to work with him on that, and, um, and it sounds just like him talking, so I, th- <laughs> I think that's a... I think that's Say a, no more, man. <laughs> Seriously. Have like a so the little... book is much better for his uh, time and attention on it. We had a great time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, now he's like
3: you know internet enough. hero, so um, yeah. I'm like honored to have him in there.
1: That's great. <laughs> Did you have to edit out any of his language? <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, he no, he went easy, but it, there are some like excellent Wiltoisms in in there. That I love
1: awesome. That's great. So you've been writing. You wrote, I think your first book was like ninety six. So you have sort of
3: 94.
1: ninety four. Ninety four. Wow. Yeah. So you have I wrote.
3: wrote um. D- actually, I wrote four titles. Um. That book was only out for one edition. It was called Designing for the Web, uh-huh. and I still have a copy, and it is so <laughs> hilariously flawed. <laughs> I well, here's here's one little example. Um. So I, was, I wanted to write it from a designer's perspective. So obviously, you know, I'm using, I'm, you know, there's just the inherent flaws of, of using HTML elements for presentation uses. But, you know, I asked when I was first starting making graphics for GNN, I asked someone at O'Reilly, someone like technically oriented person, like, what's the resolution? Like, what resolution should I use? And they said, well, Macs are 72 and PCs are 96. So I don't know, make them 88. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. not only are all my specs like make your graphics 88 dpi uh-huh. and um I put that in the book too. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a night nice, I'm it's been out of print for, you know, ages which is yeah. because by the time I wrote the first edition of of learning web design, um I had things straightened out, but oh my gosh, it's you know, I just wrote what I knew, which apparently wasn't very much. But
1: <laughs> well, It was more than other people knew. Right? Well, there are no
3: <laughs> other books to read to like check it out, right? It was the one of the first books. My book and um Linda Weinman's book was out right. um yeah. right the around the same time. Yeah, so her first edition came out just a few weeks before designing for the web. But thankfully, that book, you know, is no longer available. And every <laughs> now, and, but it's it's super quaint. Like I love looking at it.
2: Oh yeah. I like- I I liked Lynn I love uh, Lynn Wyman's uh, Deconstructing Web Graphics. It's, yeah, I, I that. still have that. I yeah. keep
3: that just as a relic of like where we've been, Yeah. You
2: know?
1: Yeah. So. Some
3: books I can't part with.
1: Yeah. It's it's a classic.
3: So. Yeah, some of these classic old web yeah, books.
1: Totally. Well, you know, there were so many beautiful web books, you know, full color uh books, you know, with great, you know, design and stuff that um came out at that time too that are worth holding on to just cuz they look so great, especially in a retro kind of 1996 web design way. <laughs>
3: yep. Yeah,
1: yeah like, um, yeah, I talked to, uh,
2: was it, I was having, one of the few times I've, I was able to talk to Linda Wyman during the uh, 1990s was, uh, uh, we're talking about web books and everything like that, and she, she was re- working on another book, and she said, like, she um, was talking to a friend, and she said, I finally realized what we're doing with these books, and it's like, well, what's that? We're writing history books. Hmm. We're worrying about the state of the web in this moment in time, and that time is going to be quickly going away. And so it's like, so it's like we're writing these like nice tombs for these, um, you know, just so. And I thought like, oh, that's that's kind of (laughs) depressing, but uh, (laughs) but it it does give you a feel for it. Like, because I I like looking back at Linda's old books and stuff like that. So and and her uh, and Bruce's artwork on the in it so there are mm-hmm. awesome awesome stuff in there so but um but talk about learning with web design and talked about like the new you had a, um javascript chapter and stuff like, that. like what what was the new stuff that you put into the into this new edition that you liked or you felt like was like oh finally we have xyz
3: well that book got a little um long in the tooth from the third edition to the fourth. So the third edition came out before the iPhone. So there was a three paragraphs about mobile web and it was all, you know, like WAP stuff. Right. Um, and like this little <laughs> tiny web, you know, list view in a old Nokia window or something. Um, so the entire mobile mindset had to be added in there. Um, you know, just like an at. Every turn, you know, in the chapter about adding links, I just changed the you know if someone clicks or taps a link, you know, just just changing sort of a, a general th- like approach to everything. But then all of HTML five had to go in there, and all of eight you know all of CSS three had to go in there. Oh. The new JavaScript chapters were in there, and then I was just racing. In the course of writing that book, we got a Retina iPhone. And then so I wrote up about, you know, retina iPhones and then a retina iPad came out. So I had to go back, rewrite that because there's, (laughs) you know, like, well, now there's a tablet and here are all the limitations and here's what's going on with, you know jpeg limits and and then and there was some sentence in there like i'm sure that you know this is the trend and the you know desktops and laptops that in retina displays won't be far behind by the time the manuscript was going to to (laughs) production then we had the retina you know macbook pros or or, your and it was like just i had to rewrite that chapter so many times because technology was changing that fast but it was it's an extremely hard time to write a book you know a history yeah. book on on this stuff um, the best i could do is like here are the problems we're so- solving here's some of the thoughts on it here are some resources, some places to go to find out what the latest thinking is. Right. Um, and here's why, you know, I tried, I always try to put everything in context, you know, especially in that book. the It's the whys of doing, you know, why you do something and why it's important. So, um, you know, just try to p- give people good, arm them with good resources to to follow the the latest saga. Because, you know, stuff was going on with re- responsive mm-hmm. images still is. Mm-hmm. Um so, uh, yeah, it was a it was a very hard time with all the mobile stuff changing weekly to, oh, yeah. to write to write that book.
1: I mean, it's interesting where it, it, it is hard to write books about these evolving technologies now because it seems like the pace of, of innovation is so rapid and it may really be affecting, you know, us as authors in terms of what is going to be the medium that we're going to use in the future to help communicate stuff. I mean, for example, on the software side, I mean now Adobe has their subscription model and they are going to be, you know, they release updates with new features constantly that are not even part of, you know, not CSS seven, it's still mm-hmm. CSS six, but there's we got a new thing we're uploading. And so Photoshop has new features and and Dreamweaver has new features. And so as an author, it's kind of daunting to think about how to are challenging to think about how to to explain those things. What is our books the proper medium, or is there something else? What do you think about that?
3: Well, that you're reminding me of um, trying to keep up with HTML as well. You know, um, because we don't have these. You know, there's the W3C stick in the ground. Okay, this is what HTML five is, but there's kind of. and then there's extended and people are just making it seems like my perspective is people are just making up (laughs) elements like every week it's like oh now there's like well maybe we could use a main element you know it's like okay i would use that (laughs) but it's just it's moving so fast and then there's that um compete you know there's the the w what wg you know living spec Mm -hmm. That stuff is always being put in there and whether it's supported and you can't, it's, it's really hard. I'm going to be updating, um, my pocket ref to the fifth edition really soon. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what do you put in there? How, you know, is it just the supported stuff? Is it everything they're documenting? Um, it's going to be hard to draw a line Mm -hmm. and to keep up with it. Yeah. Because we're not getting these solid releases that you can like, okay, here's our, here's our stopping point. It's just so fluid now. Um, I do have a little, um, I turned my pocket ref into an app, an iPhone app,
1: mm-hmm. ah.
3: and which I think is actually a, makes much more sense for using that type of reference information than mm-hmm. a linear page flip experience. Yeah. It's so nice to be able to filter it out, like oh, I want just you know, XHTML or f- I want you know, HTML four. I want only five. I want everything. You know, you can like filter, you can search, you can bookmark. It's just a better way to use that information. And it's really nice to use on an iPad too. But that's nice because you can just keep updating and you don't have these big additions and big print runs Uh um so i like that it's much more fluid um and o'reilly um it wasn't mentioned at the beginning of the of the show but i actually work for o'reilly now as their digital product designer and yep i'm an employee again i took you know 16 years off but i'm back
1: (laughs) Uh great good for you
3: and um You know, they're really looking at all sorts of ways to keep up with the pace of things, you know, like publishing platforms that allow you to make live, um, you know, keep things up to date. Things we're not getting big. uh, Not every book gets big uh, publish, you know, print runs. You know, you might be printing on printing on demand for some titles and you might be only electronic with other titles. So you can keep them as live as you would a web page um it's causing you know an old timer like me like some like culture shifts it's like oh okay like i can just change this anytime and then the book is updated <laughs> you know but that's going to be the reality of trying to keep up with it with the technology
2: definitely like, yes uh, yeah <clears throat> totally. think, yeah cuz i think i'm working on it with O'Reilly on a project and it's just like yeah we're going to just and it's be awesome cuz we get to finally dump um uh word <laughs> actually we're going to give you using text, uh, files to, to write the, uh, to write or write a book. And so it's you are like, yeah, it's like, um, I think it's called ASCII doc. It's
3: ASCII like, doc. Yep.
2: Yeah. And so it was like, we're just huh. bypassing word, which is like the major headache <laughs> I think I've had with, uh, writing books and stuff like that. So, and, um, uh, just cause just, oh man, it's just crazy as we all knew. But, uh, but yeah,
1: um, but yeah. So hey, was, uh, well, Jennifer, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Uh, your new job—that sounds really interesting. I didn't know you were doing that.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I started um, in 2010. I worked on turning my that book into the app, and we did it in HTML and used PhoneGap to package it up to make an app out of it. So you know, I was able to you know I handled all the content, but I also wrote the html and i did all the style sheets to design it it was really weird like my world's colliding i you know i came from a book background and then right. i learned all the html stuff and now with epub you know we're doing books using web technologies. so it's yeah. really been fascinating watching everything you know like my whole career just like all like roll kind of up banana. in a big like katamari ball you know
0: <laughs> 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 um,
3: So 2010, I spent the year making this app and really learning a lot, you know, about making apps and, you know, reading the Apple HIG and uh, just getting into that whole space. And then um, so I was really, you know, working pretty constantly with uh, Simon St. Laurent, who is my also my editor for my books. Mm -hmm. And we we collaborated. He handed the handled like the JavaScript and the database end of the of the app that is beyond my skill set. But uh, during the course of that, I was very, you know, involved with O'Reilly and Edie said, we've got more of these things coming along. I think you'd be just the right person to be the designer for it. So I got brushed up on my interaction design and my user experience design and started doing, um, working on their app product.
1: Oh, so so what, you, um, um, what, what are some of the titles?
3: Well, um, there are many that I worked on that haven't been released yet and um, some that I was just uh, sort of worked on the interaction stuff and we had we handed off but we do apps for every one of our conferences so we've been working with a team called um, Zomo up in mm-hmm. Vancouver on those but I, you know so I did you know lots of wireframing for those okay. and um, we have a PHP no PHP no PMP <laughs> Sorry, Uh (laughs) that's a totally different thing. Um, (laughs) Quiz app that is um, we're waiting for the content to be updated before that comes out. And we're working on a really cool thing now, um, a get to know series where you get to know a topic. Um, It's going to be an iPad app. The Mm -hmm. first topic is Hadoop, which is a big, vast topic. So we're Mm -hmm. trying to like Mm -hmm. break it down into a taxonomy, like where you can explore one arm, like what, you know, and sort of go off in this fractal um, exploration of all the topics and then there are live um, links to web pages where you, you know if you want to do a deep dive into the information um, but it's just a new way of taking a topic and treating it it's like let's break it down into like categories so you can really just like pick and choose and explore particular categories and do it in a way that's you know when you have time that's efficient and just get up to speed on a topic you know especially you know I guess people in um, CIO positions like hear about, you know, big data and hear about things like Hadoop mm-hmm, and just need right. to be brought up to speed. So it's, um it's a pretty cool interface and it was, it's been a lot of fun to work on, but that's not out yet. So.
1: what um, So what's the name of that series that you're. Get to know. Get to know. Cool.
3: Yeah. But that's it has great. a two, a number two.
1: Get to know. Yeah.
3: Get to know.
1: So um, do you see that kind of as a, as a good model for the evolution of, of technical writing as, now we'll move to apps, we'll move to, you know, rapid updates, that kind of thing?
3: Um, I am really much more aligned with like open HTML, you know, open mm-hmm. technologies. Uh, uh-huh. Instead of making specific, you know, iPhone apps or iPad uh-huh. apps, I really like to keep it as open as possible. So,
1: so you mean like I, EPUB type thing?
3: Or, you know, just using, you know, doing web apps as opposed to native okay. Mm -hmm. Um, For the types of of information that we publish, you know, just trying to hit, you don't want to just limit yourself to one device or even, you know, ecosystems. So Mm -hmm. um, you just have, you know, instead of redoing it 20 different times, it's just nice to use the web technology. So, um, yeah, we're still, I think we're still experimenting with publishing to apps. You know, I do really love. What I like is that, you know, some the reference information, there are just better ways to get to it than linearly, you know, in, in page after page after page. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I like playing around with that long form content and finding other ways to get into it that make more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see that turned into, you know, just an HTML5 app or or some way that we can get it onto every device instead of just iPhones and iPads. So um, and I know that, you know, O'Reilly's all over the web technologies in every, you know, for doing books, right. and um, you know, you can just push a button and it goes to the printer, and it goes to an EPUB, and it goes to Mobi format, and it goes to a web page. You know, like you can just take this single marked up document and do so many things with it. And that I think that's where it's at. Um, rather so, than making native,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, little
3: of one-off, you know, single-purpose things.
1: Right. Uh, what What do you um What do you use for EPUB? Do you actually have you made EPUBs?
3: I haven't done that yet. No. Um, I'm s- just starting to to look under the hood mm-hmm. of those. Um so that's that's in my need to learn <laughs> pile.
2: you <laughs> <list>.
3: about <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's more than a pile. It's like a mountain. It's so hard to keep up with.
2: <laughs> well, like well the cool part is like you no, know, if you actually store your, you know, text in the text file and then you can just export to HTML and mm-hmm. EPUB and so that's so how it's really like I guess it's what you know, XML was supposed to, was supposed to be pretty much so.
3: yeah, that's true. Yeah. And you know with, and the reality is that people are like device shifting. It's like, I'll start this here. I'll finish it there. and mm-hmm. um, and the web technologies allow you to do that. So yeah. I think you know mm-hmm. I think it just has a lot. I think it has legs in the way that like building little native apps might not yeah. unless you want to dev- you know develop it for every platform. Which, as everyone knows, is really expensive and
2: mm-hmm. yeah. hard to obtain. Would you say that there's? I mean, for doing products for Riley, working on the open web technologies is, is the best. But I was I was having a conversation with someone recently, and they're like, pretty much just like you know, just saying like dissing you know the open web um, apps really, and said just like native apps is where it's at, pretty much, and just saying like people want to have. Kind of that net native app experience and you know, kinda of like hinted at like, you know, Facebook dropping HTML five to go to um, you know, the native app for, for their for their version, talk about Instagram versus the new Flickr version of it. And so um I mean, I think there's it would be like and that's with photos, so you have to have access to the camera. So I can see where like, you know, there's some issues where like you definitely would want to have a native app.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. There are definitely some things that need to be. But um Yeah. But, yeah, I hear people say that, like, no, it's all going to be apps. But um, I really like the things that Scott Jensen has to say, which is, you know, like, this is not going to scale. We are not going to have an app for every store we walk in, an app for every book we want to read, an app for, you know, every little purpose. Um, Because the friction of, like, managing them and access, finding the thing you need when you need it, even remembering that you have it, you know. And I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm pretty moderate when it comes to like app collection, and I have so much stuff on there. I downloaded, used once, and never used again. Right. Um, I've heard uh, apps um, referred to as trinkets, <laughs> and uh-huh. and every now you know, I, there's some things that you use that I use all the time, and they're on the front you know homepage mm-hmm. of my of my iPhone. But there's so much stuff that yeah, you you buy it, use it once, and it's. Gone, I yeah. mean, but I guess people are making money from those trinkets, like they make money on real world trinkets <laughs> that are disposable too but right. um, yeah I, I don't I, know i just don't I don't see how it can scale like it's just too much effort and um right. too fragmented
2: right Well, yeah I, just, I definitely see that because um i I love the trick tric- analogy because um, um the whole new idea of like having t v channels be apps now. Uh, just scares yeah. me because there's like how many channels mm-hmm. are on a cable TV right you can have a
3: separate app for everyone yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it's so that, that's
2: why I like Netflix I mean I think the Netflix yeah. just you know is disruptive to, to our normal TV or what we think about normal TV is awesome in that you know, you're know you not you're not bounded by brand of the TV of the you know TV network you are just you just want the show that mm-hmm. they did that was really good or what you want know, to go back and through it so well, and
1: that comes back to what you were talking about Jennifer with Device switching. Like two of my favorite apps are, or two of my favorite, I don't know, technologies. Netflix is one of them because I can be watching on my desktop computer. Then I can switch to an iPad. Then I can switch to a phone and I'm watching, I can watch the same movie or the same TV show, just pick it up at the same point on any of those devices at any time. That and like Evernote. I don't know if you guys use Evernote, but, um, you know, it's a note collecting. Uh, app and it's in the cloud. And so I have it on my phone. I have it on my iPad. I have it on my computer. um, You know, both my desktop and my laptop. It's all synced. So whenever I just open it up, all of my notes are there. Everything I've ever taken any information about, I can get it on any of these devices and even on somebody else's device because all I'd have to do is log in and there are my notes. And I love the flexibility of just picking up Mm -hmm. anything I have at hand and being able to access my information Um, without even thinking about it.
3: Yeah. You know, the reality is we're going to be carrying around our computers all the time. Yeah. So that opens up a lot of uh, new behaviors.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking the the other day is like how people who never say that they're computer people or don't know how to use a computer, but they have like iPhone in their pocket, you know, just walking (laughs) around. So it's kind of crazy. But uh, and what that means to society as a a whole. So we have people who uh, are just... Just can use computers whenever they want to and, and connect all over the place. So,
3: right. but uh, so like, and for uh, how many people who that's their only connection to the internet? They yeah. don't have a computer at home and they don't have mm-hmm. Wi-Fi at home. But right. that is their their connection to the internet, which is yeah. you know more reason why every website needs to work on a mobile. You know, work in small yeah. mm-hmm. small scale.
1: I just read this thing about uh, about Netflix talking about you know the the uh, friction of having to you know keep up with multiple devices. They apparently they they just did launched uh, released a video on this. They have to encode each each video a, a thousand times. Wow! So they have a thousand versions of each video to work with. Roku and you know all of the you know Wii and all the devices that can access Netflix. So I mean, yeah. only a company like Netflix can can afford to do something like that. Yep. You know,
3: yeah, a thousand different. Uh, I think that's all they, they they track a thousand and then they encode it 120 different ways to hit all uh-huh. those different environments. Okay. And yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll <laughs> so we'll wait to see if it. Pulls itself together or continues to fragment infinitely. Right.
2: So, think of mobile, like uh, you're uh, you're working on a mobile design conference.
3: Why, yes, I am, oh. Christopher. Yes, awesome. <laughs> I care about it. <laughs> sure. Um, the um, it's called Artifact Conference, and it's a design it's a conference for designers who need to like change their tools and their methods and their processes to adapt to a multi-device world. And um, we're going to look at like new workflows that, you know, the responsive design, you know, one response or one way to deal with all the devices is to design, you know, responsibly. And but that changes your workflow when you're, you know, when you know that your website is going to be on everything from 240 pixels to 2400 pixels wide. Um, You know, the sort of crux of it is that, you know, static Photoshop, static Photoshop comps just aren't going to cut it anymore. So. The big question for me is like, well, if not Photoshop comps, then what, you know, so we're going to answer in the conference, like the what part <laughs> and look at all different approaches to, um, you know, to workflow, to new deliverables, like um, style guides and, uh, you know, style guides that are specifically geared towards digital products and things that have behaviors and interactions and, you um, Looking and how you manage your clients' expectations because we're learning, but we need to keep our clients and our the stakeholders and projects up to speed, too. So, that's a really big part of it. And I think we're going to have a great conversation around that. Um, designing for touch. Learning Git and GitHub because, you know, code is part of the designer's toolbox now. It just, it's, you know, we need to design in, in a native habitat, you know, design with the code and, and try it out on all these different devices. So if we're going to be using code, we need to, you know, have our code play nice with others and learn, you know, tools like Git for, uh, version control. Um, those are the things that are coming off the top of my head. Uh, Jen Simmons will be there teaching um, sort of like a design approach beyond just moving boxes from the sidebar to the bottom. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. maybe I- you just don't move it wholesale. <laughs> maybe there you, there are different ways, a little more, you know, mm-hmm. subtle ways of finessing and thinking about your design and what content goes where and navigation. So just addressing all these different issues that are new. And, you know, it feels a lot like when I was learning the web for the first time back in 93, 94. Like, we were trying things. Our tools weren't quite right. We had all these little weird add-ons and little, like, utilities for doing things. And I feel like we're kind of in that position now where the technology has gotten ahead of our systems and our tools. So we have all these stopgap measures. But then also, you know, I'm starting to see, like, like a, like something's emerging, you know, and that's what I want to talk about in the conference. So I was seeing all these great ideas and I just put it out there on Twitter like, I want this conference. Who's in? <laughs> <laughs> and then someone, Christopher, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> answered my call. I
2: said, <laughs> so, like, like, hey, that's an awesome idea. That sounds we, should great. Talk a, we
1: should talk about that. That's
3: <laughs> and fun. that's how it was born was, you know, you can find anything on Twitter, like even mm. conference organizers.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so when's the conference?
3: It's going to be in Austin, Texas, um, May 13th and 14th and 15th and of next year. There is a mailing list to sign up to get more information as it becomes available. And that's at dot We also have a Twitter handle. That's not too active quite yet, but as yeah. soon as we start getting people signed up and, um, and get our program published, then we'll have a lot more to say. And, um, there that's artifact conf as well on twitter okay. but yeah things are coming along we're starting to get our speakers in and yeah. places lined up and it's very exciting i think it's going to be you know i think it's gonna be good there are a lot of conferences right now but right. what and i go to a lot of them i'm, I'm big into conferences mm-hmm. but i find there's you know a lot of high level like design thinking uh-huh. and then mm-hmm. there's a lot of there are a lot of um development, you know, for developers mobile conferences, you know, for people actually building the code. And they usually have a design track in there. But what I want is like for designers, like people who right. are like doing the des- the creative process, the design process, the, the problem solving process, and just like tons of takeaways. Like, you know, sh- don't tell me this is what you're doing. Like, show me how to do it. Like, I don't have time in my you know, in my workload to get up to speed with all of this. Like, it's just too much. So if I can shorten people's uh, learning curve by spending an hour just doing a little show and tell, like, oh, here's what I thought, what I mean, and here's how you would open a responsive framework and use it as a, to do a quick prototype, you know. So um, if someone can show me in an hour, it would be such, you know so much better than trying to learn it on the web myself i would never get around to it so hopefully if like it's basically i'm lining up all the classes i'm thinking almost more like classes than presentations but i'm lining up all these presentations that I need to learn personally Mm -hmm. and I figure well if I need to learn it probably other people do too so it's um very (laughs) (laughs) self-centered this is the stuff like I need to learn git I don't know git it confuses me github I look at the pages I'm like I don't know what I'm allowed to touch here like I want someone just to sort that out for me Mm -hmm. show me in an hour and a half and then then I can go with that like you know Armed with that information, and, and learn the rest myself, or use it if it makes sense for my workflow, or don't use it, but at least I know, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited about it.
2: Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Too. I mean, like when you, when you, I guess we you talked about it on Twitter, and we've been talking about it for a while now. Is because we we do the In Control conference, which is uh, which we work with local Aij chapters. So we, we've worked with Aij Cincinnati, Aij Orlando, and Aij Honolulu, and and Aij if no one knows about it, is just. It's a national chapter for designers, and it has a really strong print background, but the web and interactive is not, you know, not so great, you know, pretty much. Um, and so we, we kind of work with, on a local level, trying to bring in these great speakers, like Dave, um, to come and, and share their knowledge. And so so when you mentioned this conference, I was like, oh yeah, this is exactly, like as a designer, we, you know, mobile is is not going to go any away anywhere. So yeah. it's just, I felt like it was a natural fit. Uh, for us to work together on that project. So so I'm I'm really stoked. I'm really happy to actually work on a conference, a face to face conference in Austin, Texas, after being here for several years now. So it's it's awesome. It's
3: a, and I'm always happy happy to have an excuse to go to Austin. So yeah. I'm psyched too. <laughs> yeah.
1: Cool. All right. I gotta ask you about this thing. I just Googled a little bit about you. Cooking with rock stars.
3: Oh yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Was that um, you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain a little bit about that one?
3: Sure. Um, yeah, I was watching the Dresden doll
2: one just before the show. So, it's my
3: video podcast. Um, I started in 2002, which was actually before YouTube and before there was any way to actually do video podcasts. Right. <laughs> I had a sort of role my own. <laughs> but um, it just combined my two passions for indie rock music and fooding, foodie stuff, cooking. So um, – originally had an idea to do like a full-blown show with like crafting and technology and everything but it's like no we'll just we'll just stick to rock stars and food <laughs> like the intersection uh-huh. of that so I just started interviewing people and it like just took like my little camcorder stood on street corners talking to you know like um uh, Jenny Lewis from Rilo Kylie and I had um in the beginning, it was just me and my little Sony camcorder. Uh-huh. We'd be in broom closets trying to find, you know, like trying to find a quiet, bright place at a club at soundcheck time is kind of a uh-huh. challenge. So we'd be in parking lots, broom closets, stairwells. Um, it was really <laughs> fun, though. It was just so much fun. But I got... um Jack Black is a friend of my brother's, and I got him for the show. um, (laughs) Yeah, his uh, recipe was the Dorito burrito.
1: Oh, nice! (laughs) He's always
3: a classic. And uh, no, I just had a blast doing that.
1: So, Uh, how did you connect with these people? Did you just show up, or did you all different all different ways?
3: All different ways. Um, Some of them were friends of mine. Some Uh of them, um, like Jack, my brother. um, Yeah has worked with Jack a lot. So he was just over at my brother's house and we did it. (laughs) So um, there's some, you know, some indie rockers, you can just walk up and say, Hey, I love your project. I've got this project. Want to be on my project? (laughs) And they're like, yeah, cool. And then some people or I would, you know, approach them in person and say, the next time you're in town, I'd love to do this. Can I have like the name of your people? So I'd sort of make a personal connection, but then go through the the proper channels. And then for bigger acts like um, Supergrass, I would just go through the you know PR channels. Mm-hmm. And it's offbeat enough
0: that yeah, I-
3: people said yes. You know, it's like it was. You know, they were like Ben Gibbard from Death Cab. It's like this is the most awesome interview because I don't have to tell you how I got my band name or where right. we recorded. <laughs> He's like, we're just going to talk about like Toast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is awesome. You have Robin Hitchcock, two parts. Is it the same (laughs) recipe or did he do two recipes? He,
3: um, his recipe was food pie. Yeah.
2: (laughs) 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 Pie, that's food. So
3: that was, that was super fun. By the end, we were doing it in a limo, um, recording (laughs) the show in a limo because it was like a little studio. You know, the, the broom closets weren't working for me going onto tour buses worked, but you have so much lighting and mics and stuff to set up that you really felt like you were imposing on their personal space. So like you're going into their home and just like never leaving. So um, my editor and cameraman, uh, James Holland, we were walking down the street and this limo went by and he's like, we should do the show on one of those. Totally. And then we're like, and we're like, ha ha ha, wait, <laughs> that could actually work. So we yeah. would, I'd rent the limo, we'd get it all set up with the lighting, with the mic, you know, check all the mics, get the cameras set up. Then just after soundcheck, bring the bring the rock stars out, pour them some champagne, have a lovely little chat. Um, sometimes fun. I'd bring hors d'oeuvres and then we'd send them back. You know, they'd go do their thing and we could take our time cleaning up, you know, right. and, and putting everything away without imposing. And it was super fun. That's
1: great. Uh,
3: but yeah, and I'd, I'd love to get that going
1: again. That's you when you, that's ended. It,
3: it ended, yeah, t- 2008 was um, when I just realized I couldn't be spending money on limos. I needed to have a project that made money instead of cost so much money <laughs> every every episode. So um so I ended up shifting gears. I don't know, wrote a book or something. I don't know what I ended up doing instead. But um yeah, super fun project. I would love love to get it going again. it's one of those things like the site needs a whole redesign because it's yeah. it's pretty stale. Um yeah. The video formats don't make sense for today, and I just don't have the bandwidth to go back and redo it. So, sure. if anybody out there would like to Help do a really simple, minimal, little responsive page template for Cooking with Rockstars, so I could put up some new stuff, <laughs> um, do you have it running on
1: WordPress or something like that, or
3: it's a it's on Drupal.
1: Drupal. Uh-huh. Yeah.
3: Um. So yeah, if anybody, but I'm not. Entirely wedded to that. I just want something totally stripped down, just the videos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get rid of all that extra stuff, just to get it out there and have it work on everything. Um, <laughs> come reach me at Genville on on Twitter.
1: Oh, this is great. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's- so. You host all the videos on Blip.
3: Yes, I was using I was using Blip for all the uh-huh. the videos.
1: Cool.
3: They were great to work with.
1: So there you go. Yeah. World. So- Something you didn't know? I didn't know about Jennifer. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, That's And awesome. then my
3: web intersection with the music world is I used to um, be Ringo Starr's a website designer.
1: Oh, get out. Really? Yeah,
3: we maintained uh, Ringo's. We designed and maintained Ringo's website for about four years. Oh, wow. um, not recently. But, um, it's, it's since turned into more of a marketing site. Sure. But he had one of the first video blogs because he oh, doesn't yeah. like to type. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. But he would just like set up his camera Wherever he was touring around the world, or at his home in you know in England, and just do a little chat out to his fans and put you know photos up and but mostly he'd he'd uh, just make these quick little videos to talk to people and tell them what he was up to, and um, and we rigged up this little thing. Um, my husband Jeff Robbins made a little icon of his head to put on, <laughs> and so Ringo all Ringo had to do was drag the file. Onto the icon of Jeff's face, <laughs> and it would <laughs> on an Apple script that would upload it to the server and send us like do all sorts of stuff in the background. It was really fun.
1: <laughs> and
3: then he also, also we had things like you know Ringo Starr calling our house and uh, sounding just like Ringo Starr. That was another connection through my brother. And my brother's Liam Lynch. He does uh, all sorts of music and video production and movie writing and production and directing. Um, he's a cool cool dude.
1: Cool um, dude. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You can. You can Google some Liam Lynch. He was just on Nerdist. There's a good podcast of him on Nerdist. That's
1: Well, I don't know where we could take the interview from here. Yeah. I think hit, <laughs> we hit Ringo Starr and I, it's all going to be a letdown <laughs> at this point. <laughs> so um, uh, usually we ask uh, our you know guests, um, you know, what are you most passionate, passionate about now, uh, technology or career or anything like that? And, and what what are you interested in now?
3: I'm interested in getting everybody up to speed with this new mobile thing, you know. So that's you know I'm giving uh, talks on the new responsive workflow, and I, I like I like being in the position of you know in in the early '90s I was teaching print designers how to do web, and now I feel like there's another opportunity to to help people adapt to the needs of of multi-device. So um, that's sort of where my professional mojo is happening right now
1: excellent uh where can people find you on the web and follow well, you and all that stuff?
3: i have a creaky personal site that is <laughs> um neglected and needs a, a responsive makeover um genville.com that's uh that's my personal home with links to other things and um i'm on i'm on the twitter quite a lot at genville there as well
1: excellent Cool. Well, thanks so much. It was a real pleasure to uh, meet you and to talk to you and learn about all the many, many, many things that you've done.
3: Well, thanks. I had so much fun. This was great.
0: Our thanks to Jennifer Robbins for joining us on Non-Breaking Space. As always, check out the show notes at nonbreakingspace.tv for all links and sites discussed during the episode. We're also on the iTunes podcast listing and we'd really appreciate if you subscribe and left a rating or review. Help spread the word about the show. We've been experimenting with live streaming our recordings, so be sure to follow us on Twitter at NBSPTV for future recording dates and times. And be sure to watch for the next episode of non-breaking Space to hear Carl Smith tell Gene Crawford I think I seemed- just gained I gained a little respect for you, sir.